Hi, this is Susan Gestone. Welcome to a special world outreach episode of the Valley Avon podcast. Today we're going to be talking with my friend Colin, who grew up here at Valley and is now serving abroad as a missionary. So please enjoy this conversation with one of Valley's own serving God in a foreign land. So I'm here with my friend Colin, who serves in Europe. Hey, Colin, how you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you, Susan? <laughs> Good. Colin, can you um, tell me a little bit about your ministry? Sure. I live in the very north of France, uh, in the city of Lille, uh, with my wife and my two sons, who are 12 and 9. And we are working in, in our city to see churches planted. We work in partnership with the French Mission. And we want to see a movement of house churches in our city. And you've been there for how many years now? We've been there 11 years. Okay, so your eldest son was one. He was 18 months when we moved over. That's right. Yep. Wow. Okay, so what was the transition like from the U.S. to France? Yeah, the transition was hard. Um, you know, we... When we moved over, we needed to learn the language, and so um, we needed to find childcare for our son um, immediately, and that meant entrusting someone with the care of our child when we didn't under th understand the language, and he certainly didn't understand. And um, it has been a transition as we've gotten our boys into uh, the school systems as well. Uh, the school systems there are just different than they are here, and we've had to adapt as we've made those transitions. But uh, we've really been thankful that God has, you know, just overseen that whole process and, and that our boys are, are thriving and doing well, uh, making friends and really engaging with the, the culture around them. What does a play date look like for your boys? Um, well, since they're 12 and 9, it mostly involves their friends coming over and playing Minecraft with them or... <laughs> You know, something along those lines. So my guess is there may be some really uh, similarities to what a play date looks like here. Um, you know, we have a park nearby, so they'll meet their friends at the park or, um, you know, go out in the backyard and play soccer. And That's know. wonderful. Yeah. That's great. So what was it like during the pandemic? So the pandemic in France was um, quite difficult for us. They were pretty strict with the uh, rules and regulations. Um, our movement was restricted. We had a list of about four things we were allowed to go out and do. Um, exercise, grocery shop, um, help someone who is in need. Um, I think there was one more, but I don't, I don't even remember. And if we didn't have that one of those, uh, we were out doing something else, uh, we could get fined uh, by the police. They would check our documents and, um, they came down pretty hard. So we had three, um, three lockdowns like that. And so during that time, our church couldn't meet. So we were meeting, uh, virtually and, um, it, it was, it was difficult to, to navigate that and really feel isolated, uh, mm -hmm. where we were really stuck in our home. Um, and it was a time where we really, we were really considering, you know, what is, what does God have in this? 
Uh, one of the things we've seen come out of that is we have gotten to really know our neighbors. Uh, prior to the pandemic, our neighbors were um, people that we waved hello to or saw in the garden or, you know, that kind of a thing. But um, we now have a relationship with both both neighbors on both sides and um, with one one of the families, we're uh, doing a nightly, a uh, week, uh, monthly, a monthly game night with them. And, um, you know, we're going over their house and we're having conversations and they ask us about the church that meets in our home. And um, we're able to share a little bit of the, you know, the love of Christ with them. Is it hard to start spiritual conversations with um, the people in Leo? Well, they certainly don't start themselves. So, okay. um, one of the things that I try to be very intentional with is looking for opportunities to, to share uh, spiritual conversations and to, to open a conversation spiritually. Um, so sharing about uh, the way God answered a prayer recently okay. or sharing about you know a passage that I just read uh, in the Bible, um, just trying to be trying to look for those opportunities. but you know, in and of themselves, people, many people do not want to talk about spiritual things. Um, but, you know, we pray as we, as we are meeting with people that God would open those doors. And more often than not, we have opportunities to do that. So we had a, a guy come that needed to help with a delivery. We needed four delivery people to carry this thing into the house. And uh, he came early, uh, 45 minutes before the other delivery uh, men came. And he came in, and we, we invited him in. And it was one of these moments where I had things to do. You know, <laughs> I, had, I had an agenda for the day. I had, I had meetings that I needed to, to take care of and emails to write and, you know, all sorts of things to do. And um, this man was there 45 minutes early. And what was I to do? Mm-hmm. We offered him coffee, and he told us a lot about his life, actually. He had a lot to complain about about how unfair life is and how, you know, racist the French people are and how difficult things are. And he's, he was a Muslim uh, man. And um, I, we had a chance, he was sharing a little bit about um, Abraham. And I don't, I don't exactly remember how he got onto Abraham specifically, um, but he started talking about Abraham. And I said, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, in the story of Abraham, he, there's a story of him taking his son mm-hmm. up, God tells him, take your son to the top of this mountain and, and sacrifice him. And, um, you know, just being able to share the story of Abraham and Isaac and how God provided, um, how God provided the sacrifice and how God has provided a sacrifice for us in Christ. Um, and to be able to share that with this man. Um, and it just took being intentional about not being caught up in my day not being caught up in the things that I had to do, but listening to what God had for me that day. So was that something that comes up a lot as you go about ministry? It does. Yeah. If you're looking for it, <laughs> yes. Um, I, there are, I, you know, to confess, uh, there are days where I, you know, I'm not, I don't have my eyes open. Um, mm-hmm. But when I, when I ask God to, to show me those opportunities, I am amazed at how often he opens those doors. Wow. So what's the next step after our spiritual, after you start the spiritual conversation, like with a Muslim, what, what happens next if they're interested? Yeah. So the next thing that we try to do is to have them read the Bible for themselves. 
So we want people to get into the Word and discover what does the Bible say for them. Say, um, we don't want them to just rely on our Word or mm -hmm. what I have to say about it, but rather see what is it. What does it say? So we we offer a discovery Bible study, and that would be usually we'd go through a book, maybe the Book of John or uh, a set of lessons, um, but always reading a chapter out of the Bible each time we meet. And we would have a set, set of questions that we would ask each person. We would ask about what does the Bible, what does this passage say about God? What does this passage say about people? Is there something in this passage that we should obey? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there an example to follow? What are we going to do differently this week because of this passage? And after we ask those questions each week, we pray. And um, the next time we get together, we ask, how did it go? Did you see a change? Were you able to apply this to your life this past week? Um, so that's kind of the next step. And as we, as we engage people in Discovery Bible Studies, we look for opportunities to share the full picture of the gospel and all that Christ did for us so that people have a chance to accept mm -hmm. and repent um, and then come into the faith. And that is really our prayer is to see disciples made and multiplied uh, in our city. So all you're, all you're asking them is, what does it say? Right. And then, you know, sort of what's their response to it? Mm -hmm. I mean, I love that because it sounds like they're learning how to read the word for themselves and then act upon it. That's exactly right. And the nice thing is that sounds very reproducible. That is certainly our hope. We want people to um, both learn to read the Bible themselves, to be fed through the scriptures by themselves, but also to bring the lost around them mm -hmm. um, to the same thing, to allow them to um, discover the Bible for themselves. So um, we want people to be able to reproduce this with their friends and their neighbors, with the lost around them. That's wonderful. Last time I talked with you, it was probably two months ago, you were also working with a refugee from North Africa, I believe. Was he living with you? So we, there's a young man, a young man, there's a man in our church. <laughs> um, he's younger than I am, which is why I think of him as a young man. Um, he is uh, a refugee, he's an asylum seeker from Rwanda. Oh, okay. And he, um, his, his name is Eli, and he... Um, he has quite the story. Um, he was his. He lost family members in the in the genocide in the um, in the nineties, um, and to make a to make a living, he began a circus troupe. Actually, um, so they do acrobatics and they juggle and um, do a, a wide variety of things. And um, he was able to to help uh, people who were on the street, children, um, to learn a skill essentially mm -hmm. and the the troop got um, enough attention that they were welcomed into europe and so he was actually allowed to to come to europe and while he was there um something happened and um at that point he was no longer welcome to come back to rwanda his life was threatened um, and so he needed to find um, somewhere in europe to to stay and he ended up finding a colleague of ours um, and uh, 
they brought him to church and he's been able to, to integrate into our church and we've been able to support him. He's still waiting on his asylum uh, mm-hmm. papers. He's still waiting on um, the government to give him the right to live and work in France. Uh, and so um, this past summer he lost his housing that had been stable for, for a number of years. And so he was able to, to come and, and stay with, with uh, my family uh, in a room that we had. And um, what we thought was going to be a one-month stay turned into a four-month stay. <laughs> but uh, we, we love being able to be, um, to be family for people, to be people who don't have family, to, to be a spiritual family mm-hmm. and truly to support them in all their needs. So he now has stable housing um, at an at a, uh, apartment complex that is for young working uh, people, and mm-hmm. so we're, the church supports him in that, and we're praying that he would uh, get his papers very soon. Yeah. He's been waiting uh, three years for his papers. Wow. Now, Europe was really overrun in, was it 2018, 2019, with, with refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen that in Leo? We have, um, although not um, in the same ways that they have seen it in some of the entry um, entry points. Right in Greece and, and other places. We do have people who come through, um, including a number of um, minor, um, unaccompanied minors. Um, so there was a time where a number of them were sleeping in a park, um, just they didn't have anything, any place yeah. else to sleep. And so some of the churches in the area um, banded together and opened their doors and just put out cots and they had about 40 uh, young men. And uh, 40 young men who would come in at night and sleep there. And a number of these people ended up in homes, in uh, the homes of church members, and um, have both been in our church, and as they have, as they've gotten their papers, uh, their, their asylum papers, they've then moved on. But uh, we've been really privileged to be able to have people come through our church, including these, these young men. Um, because we have a chance to to disciple them, to spend time to help them grow in their faith. Some of them come to faith and grow in their faith. And if they move on, well, we trust that you know God is sovereign in that, and that yeah. uh, that time where they have they have spent with us will be multiplied where they go, that they would they would be able to to share with those around them wherever they end up. Wow, that's great. So coming out of the pandemic, how do you see your ministry changing as, you know, society opens up? That is a great question, and I wish I could. I wish I had a good answer for it. Um, as a church planting team, we are really asking God, what does He want from us mm-hmm. in this moment of openness? The French government has opened restrictions um, and you know has lifted a lot of of the rules that they had in place and so my prayer right now is that that openness would translate into a spiritual openness and mm-hmm. that people would go from isolation to Christian community and that we would have an opportunity we would see a revival because of that um, and that yeah we would see disciples made and that they would um, they would multiply we have a number of new initiatives, including um, looking at raising children in the church and raising children in the faith, um, a discussion group around values where people can come and share their views, but also mm-hmm. hear what the Bible has to say about different values. 
and we're looking to restart some evangelism um, in parks and at metro stops and, and other places. So those would be, I would appreciate your prayers uh, as, we, as we try out some new things. Oh, that's excellent. Well, so, okay, so, so for um, prayers, what you've mentioned is things like this um, social openness translating to a spiritual openness. Mm-hmm. Um, these different studies that you're offering through your church to, to attract people who are, I think, really asking questions, mm-hmm. you know. I think it's valid to wonder, after the disruption of the last two years, what are my values? Mm-hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. what's really important now? Because the whole world felt like it was turned upside down. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then the success of um, the restart of your evangelistic efforts. Absolutely. And you can just be praying that we would see people with um, whose hearts have been softened and that the the spirit would show us where he is at work. And we want to be working with him um, and alongside him. Well, on that note, I'm going to close in prayer for you and your ministry. Father God, I thank you so much for Colin and his team and his family. Lord God, I pray that you would just be opening doors for them. Lord God, as society opens up, open the doors, Lord God. May they run into the people that you are already talking to. Lord God, I pray that Colin and his team just walk in on those spiritual conversations, Lord God, to be the answer, um, to give the answer that people are looking for. And Lord, I pray for the French church. I pray, Lord God, in accordance with your word that says that people will know us by our love. Lord, I pray that the church would be such a testimony of love. Lord God, that they would be family and that they would welcome people into their family. That people would fall in love with you because they fell in love with your church. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks, Susan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this special World Outreach episode of the Valley Avon podcast. I hope you were inspired to hear about what our missionaries are doing around the world. If you'd like to support our missionaries through prayer, or financial support, please go to the Valley Outreach page on our website or use the link in the podcast description. Thank you for listening and have a great day.